Welcome to the First Apostolic Church Podcast. Our church mission is to love as God loves, showing compassion to every soul, thus winning those souls and equipping them to be sent out to plant and to harvest. Thank you for joining us today, and we hope that you are blessed by today's podcast. Matthew chapter number five. Matthew chapter number five. And verse five, this is our third part of the Beatitudes. Very simply, Jesus speaking to the multitudes and particularly his disciples says these words, blessed are the meek for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are the meek for they shall inherit the earth. Very simply tonight, my subject matter is, again, I'm not getting all fancy with titles through this, meek, all right? Should be really hard to remember, but meek. Let's pray together. Help me, Lord Jesus, come to you today. God, I'm grateful, Lord, and to you, I thank you, Jesus. God, I thank you, Lord, for your spirit. God, that we have felt, Lord, in this place. God, for the obedience of those with hunger and thirst in their heart. God, come to an altar of prayer regardless of the time. God, I'm appreciative today of that. Pray, oh Lord, you would help us this evening, God, in this study, Lord, as we turn our attention to your word, the Beatitudes. Pray, oh Lord, let them find, uh, Lord, ample spot, Lord Jesus, in our life. Lord Jesus, attitudes, God, by which we would live, Lord, with Christian character. In the lovely name of Jesus Christ, I pray. Amen and amen. Everybody say amen. 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 You may be seated tonight. So about three weeks ago, we we started on this study of the Beatitudes, and uh, we mentioned then, as I mentioned now, is that uh, they kind of go against the whole whole mindset and regular thinking of men and women of that day and of our day, for that matter. Because whenever you start to read them on the surface, it's just like, this just, just really isn't making sense. It's, uh, it goes against the common idea of human nature, as do many of the Lord's teachings. I mean, in reality, if you look at the teachings of Jesus Christ throughout Scripture and the Bible, there are a lot of te- teachings that are uh, given to you and I that does go against a common idea of, of just our human minds. Because whenever you begin to read through this list of Beatitudes, you're saying, man, this can't be right. I mean, blessed are they who mourn. That that cannot be right. That doesn't make sense. But as always, his ways are not our ways and his his thoughts are not our thoughts because uh, he has an upside-down kingdom through our perspective. Uh, In his kingdom and in his world, uh, he says the last shall be first. The teachings of the Lord doesn't just really line up with what we would call standard uh, way of thinking. Uh, To him, it's better to give than to receive. Uh, In the kingdom of the Lord, uh, dying is endorsed over living. This is the way that that he talks. Losing is better than finding. Now this is the teachings of the Lord. Serving, now this tops the cake. Serving is better than ruling in the kingdom of the Lord. And so we're met with this same type of of teaching and approach and the Beatitudes, even now with the third one here, blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Now, whenever we say meek, modern day language and modern day ideologies concerning uh, what meekness is is vastly different from the biblical definition of what meek is. 
Uh, in today's world, whenever you talk about uh, someone being meek or someone says something about meek, uh, you, they're talking about, man, there's a person, they're, they're overly submissive. They're overly uh, compliant. Uh, they might call a meek person someone that's spiritless, spiritless. Uh, they, they're tame, they're timid, they're just kind of, you know, they're kind of shy and bashful and they're kind of withdrawn. Is the way that doormat, thank you, Sister McGee, doormat, you wipe your feet on them, you know. Uh, that's the way that they interpret meek today. Amen. But, but, but that, is not, that is not the case concerning the Scripture. Uh, in the world, I understand, you know, if you're going to achieve anything and achieve it, you've got to achieve it by going after it. You've got to achieve it by pushing your way through and, and, and have to have an aggressive type of spirit. Yet in the Scripture, the Lord relates to us that the meek are getting the earth through their meekness. And that just doesn't really pan out as currently defined today. So, so what does then this word or this term meek mean in the Bible or by biblical standards? I think one of the ways a lot of times Scripture interprets Scripture, uh, you can look up other Scriptures along the same lines of a topic and learn a lot about the topic just by other Scriptures. So if we could today to turn to Numbers chapter 12 and verse number 3 because we might be able to have a little idea about what this word meekness means according to biblical standards whenever we learn from an individual who was considered uh, in Scripture the most meekest man of all Scripture. The Bible says in Numbers 12 and verse 3, and this is uh, in parentheses here, a little phrase, now the man Moses was very meek above all the men which were upon the face of the earth. This man Moses was meek. Now, if we were going to go according to modern terminology, Moses is a tame, timid, spiritless individual. That doesn't necessarily line up because I see this man Moses walking into the polish and embellishment of the court of Pharaoh declaring, let God's people go. I see this same Moses that descends the Mount of God after being up there for 40 days and 40 nights with the stones and the Ten Commandments that are written thereon in his hand. And because of the people that have drifted away from the Lord, in a moment of uh, being upset, he casts those down and breaks them. Now, I don't, I don't call that timid. I don't call that spiritless or, or being tame, but doing those type of things. But Moses is the deliverer that God had chosen for his people to bring them up out of Egyptian bondage that they had been in. He is the individual that's been so instrumental in the exodus of the children of Israel out of Egypt. He is not the one that's kind of per se totally bashful and just hides somewhere in the shadows. He is, according to the scripture in my estimation, he is a man of power. And he is a man of great authority. He is a leader of numerous people. At one time we see a occurrence of maybe 600,000. They say perhaps uh, when they actually entered to the promised land, it was in the millions. So you're, you're not just some uh, weak, bone, jellyfish, spineless individual and personality in order to do that. For that matter, all the grumbling and complaining that he dealt with. And having people before him and having to bring judgment upon people. And this, this is Moses, a man of power, a man of authority, a man that's very instrumental. And it's here in Numbers chapter number 12 
that we have the occurrence of what took place. This, this phrase of him spoken as the most meek man or the most meek of his day at least, it, it's right, it's kind of tucked into a little story here of where Aaron and Miriam had come to Moses and spoken against Moses uh, for marrying an Ethiopian woman and they spoke against him and they attacked his position by basically saying, hey, uh, we've been used of God too which they had, God had spoke through Aaron and God had spoke through Miriam, but they're kind of just saying, hey, you're no better than we are. Uh, we, the God has spoke through us too. And in all of this though, what's, what's the secret of the sauce, if I could say tonight? In all of this, it tucks in that Moses is the most meek man because during these allegations, during this attack against Moses, even his, his choice for his marriage and even his position of what he's been doing through all of this, Moses doesn't open his mouth. That right there should draw great attention to anybody that there's allegations coming against the man, the man who has allegations coming against him does not open his mouth. Because I dare to say most of us, I don't need anybody to defend me because I'll be the first to my defense. You know what I'm saying? But this is the, what's so peculiar here about Moses. He doesn't open his mouth until Aaron, Aaron's saying, hey, Miriam's cast here for leprosy. Pray to God, you know, that this thing can be remedied quick. And then he talks to God about the situation. But he never says anything about, hey, you have no room to speak. Hey, God called me on the backside of a desert and there's a burning bush. I got proof in the pudding. He never go down that line. He didn't speak anything uh, about what they were saying against him or about his leadership. None of this. See, uh, normally a man in his position would want to lash out severely. But Moses, look at this. He had power. He was in position. And he had the authority to lash out because of who he was. The deliverer. He was in a position to, if he wanted to, to exercise the power to say something. But he refrained from doing so. We're starting then to get a little bit of understanding of this term meekness. He had the power to do it, but he refrained from doing it. He could have said something, but he kept from saying something. And the greater power, the greater power is not in going on and saying something, but not saying something when you have every position and right to say something. That is biblical meekness. Simple three-word definition. It's power under control. power under control look what Moses does. he could have but he didn't you know what happens God shows up he calls out Miriam he calls out Aaron he calls out Moses he begins to talk to Aaron and Miriam about their wrongful allegations and how they shouldn't be doing this and leprosy is cast upon Miriam and all these things take place see whenever our if we could say I don't know if there's really anything truly self-control because I believe that self-control is absolutely directly from God. It's God control. 
But whenever our self-control is based on God's control, that's then our own human power placed under the control of a higher power, the power of God. And so whenever we understand that, meekness then is truly not a natural trait. It's a supernatural virtue. Because in reality, I mean flat-footed reality, Paul McGee can't restrain by Paul McGee's self. Uh-huh. <laughs> that power that I have has to be under control of a higher power. It's a supernatural virtue that's produced by the Holy Ghost. It's not of them to see in Galatians 5 that the fruit of the Spirit numbered among them is meekness. Because meekness comes from the Spirit of the Lord. It's not something that you can devise of your own making. Meekness comes uh, because you have surrendered your life to God. And as a result of surrendering your life to God, that God that you've surrendered to is free to demonstrate His power or His control in your life even in the most difficult moments of life. That's meekness. If I could explain it like this, perhaps, I did a little bit of reading, thought maybe I could come up with some type of explanation we could grab a hold of. Power is a tsunami that reports of it pushing and even bending a steel beam but meekness is taking that same water forcing it through a 10,000th diameter hole and thus when it's exiting it's exiting at 2,250 miles per hour creating about 55,000 pounds per square inch of pressure, not bending a steel beam, but cutting it. <laughs> Whenever you succumb to some control, take all that water and harness it to a very focused area and control it, it won't just bend the beam, it'll cut the beam. That's the greater power. Power that's under control. <laughs> Moses could have went away and did it, man. Tell you what, I gave him peace of my mind. We've said before, if you keep that, it might not have much of mind left. So, boy, I, you know, really, you know, maybe tightened his girdle <laughs> a little bit more, you know, about doing that. But the greater thing was him keeping his mouth shut and restraining when he could have said something. See, modern mindsets is that meekness is weakness. Modern day. Call someone meek. Well, that old jellyfish, they don't have a backbone. <laughs> you know, meekness is weakness. But power under control really represents a greater power. It is what the New Testament man said to the Lord whenever he had the man in his home. He was a centurion, had a man in his home that was sick. He said, I'm not worthy for you to come to my house. He sent servants even to do this. I don't think the guy even felt worthy to go approach the Lord. And he, and he said... He said, hey, I'm, whenever the Lord finally got there, he said, hey, I'm a man, uh, I like this. He said, I'm a man of authority. I like what he said next. He said, but I'm under authority. It was almost like he was drawing a direct line. The only way I can be a man of authority is because I'm also under authority. <laughs> 
The power that I have is power that's under control. Uh, Meekness is having the ability to call the shots, do your own thing, but choosing to succumb to another. This is the reason why meekness is so important for Christianity. It is a part of this process of the Beatitudes. Remember the poor in spirit, the realization that you're in need. Remember that? And then because of this, you go then to that second step of mourning. What are you mourning over? You're mourning over the fact that you've tried to, you know, do everything yourself up to this point of time. You're mourning over your sins. But after you're in need, what do you do? You need to surrender. Surrender to a power beyond yourself. Relinquish control. (laughs) Amen. And give it to the Lord. You know, stop having the idea, I can still do my own thing and call my own shots. It's you as being a human being saying, yes, I, I am my own person. I have the power to do that, but I'm choosing to render control to another. I don't want to call the shots anymore because I see where that's got me. I, I don't want to do my thing anymore because I see where that's got me. I want to succumb to a higher power. I want to be power that's under control, under a higher power, under a greater government. In the Greek, the word, in the Greek, the word that was used for meek was used for a horse that had been broken. Horse that had been broken. Wild horse. Been broken. As a matter of fact, in some circles, the horse that runs the race and wins the race is oftentimes called the meekest horse. The meekest horse. And that's why, the reason why is because that horse... The one who won must have been most under the control of its rider. In order to win, that horse could have ran by its own means without anybody on its back. But during the race, he was succumbing to a control of another. And the one that wins in is the meekest horse. It's, it's that horse that is able to be Controlled the one that responds the best to his jockey. I tell you what, it would be a good characteristic in the races that we run in our Christianity to get in the winner's circle and be called the meekest horse because we have somehow succumbed to the direction of our jockey. It would be a great attribute to say, when I said go, they went. When I said whoa, they stopped. When I said turn right, they turned right. When I said turn left, they turned left. They're the meekest saint I got. Amen. It is a spiritual virtue. It's that which kind of describes or underwrites a domesticated animal. Amen. Domesticated animal. Not wild, but domesticated. Amen. If I could say it like this, a person who has learned meekness is a person that has learned, I like to say it like this, is a person that has learned to accept control. Accept control. Thank you, sister. Amen. So in meekness in Scripture is primarily a, a submissiveness toward God more so than a submissiveness toward man in Psalms 25 and verse number 9 the Bible states these words speaking of the meek 
says the meek, speaking of the Lord now here, he, he addresses the meek, but whenever you see the word he, it's speaking of the Lord. The meek will he guide in judgment. Uh-huh. And the meek will he, the Lord, teach his way. I believe there's something very illustrative here then about a meek person and their spirit. Amen. The Bible says that God will guide them and he will teach them how and why. Because the meek allow themselves to be guided and allow themselves to be taught. Those who are not meek have the attitude that you can't add anything to me and are oftentimes unteachable and unguidable because they won't allow the power that they have inherent in them as a human being to be brought under the control of another. Amen. The third beatitude is almost direct quoted in Old Testament Scripture, which is a little slight variation in the Old Testament. Psalms 37 and verse 11. If you don't mind me, this jacket's going to have to lay my burden down. Amen. Psalms 37 and verse 11. But the meek shall inherit the earth and shall delight themselves in the abundance of peace. But the meek shall inherit the earth. If you go up to verse number 9 in this same passage of Scripture, it says, For evil evildoers shall be cut off, but those that wait upon the Lord, they shall, look at the terminology again, they shall inherit the earth. This device in the same passage, a lot of times uh, they wrote in such, such ways in order to draw conclusions. It's almost like in, in math where if A equals B and C equals B, then A must equal C type of scenario because we have the meek that shall inherit the earth the scripture just above it a few verses above it also said those that wait upon the lord shall inherit the earth so there must be some close connection uh, this is the way that they wrote many times this must be some close connection then uh, between waiting upon the lord and being meek both of these are inheritors of the earth it's like if i, if I say it like this it's like telling your kids, here it is, folks, that they can walk their bicycles, all right, down to the road, but don't get in the street until I get there. <laughs> the meek wait until you get there to get in the street. Although they had the ability, cast their leg over top of that banana seat put their feet to the pedal and ride before you were ever there. But see what I'm saying? Meekness is really a type of discipline. He said the meek shall inherit the earth. He said they that wait upon the Lord. What's happening when you're waiting on the Lord? You're not doing anything until the Lord gives the sanction or the blessing or the direction. They're saying I, I can't go on and do until He comes. You know, this little boy says, hey, you want to come over to my house and play? He could say yes of his own accord and go. But you know what the little boy says? I need to ask mommy first. What is that? That's meekness. That's power under control. Oh. Hey, I had times I just went anyway. 
And that one to whom I was supposed to be under control, that power, I had a demonstration of that power in my life. Huh. Amen. <laughs> so so, so there's, there's the progression of the Beatitudes. We admit our need. We mourn over our sin. We, 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 we lack our uh, admitting of our needs, so we're mourning over that. So the meek man, man now, he yields himself unto God, to the rights of God. Doesn't it only seem natural that if you're going to admit that you are in need, if you're going to admit that you're in need, doesn't it only seem natural that now you'll yield your rights to the one? If you admit you're in need, meaning you don't have it all, that you then will yield your rights to them because of your need? Doesn't it all just seem proper? But people get stubbed up a lot of times and they'll get to the phase of admitting their need and even mourning over their need. But a lot of times people get hung up at step number three of becoming a power under control. Mm -hmm. Someone say amen. Jesus exemplified meekness in his life for us as well. He didn't do anything in the scripture. The Bible says Jesus Christ as a human man didn't do anything in scripture unless his father instructed him. The things that I do, my father tells me to do, he says. Amen. In Matthew chapter 11, verse 29, he speaks to us and he says, Matthew eleven twenty-nine. 29, he says, take my yoke upon you and learn of me. For I am meek. And lowly in heart, and ye shall find rest unto your souls. Learn of me. I'm meek and I'm lowly. Interesting, an early church father by the name of Augustine said that Christ did not bid us, he did not bid us learn of me to work miracles. He didn't say, learn of me to open the eyes of the blind. He did not say, learn of me to raise the dead. But he said, learn of me to be meek. Learn of me of how to be meek. Because just as he submitted to the will of his father, so likewise should we submit ourselves unto the Lord. Remember now, again, this is not timid. This is not spiritless. Because Jesus enters into a temple and he begins cleaning the house with his whip that he made. So I don't, it's not a spiritless individual that's coming into the temple and these that are being merchants and selling doves and things of that matter. He comes in there and starts doing that. Neither do we see. We also see, though, Jesus, he stormed into the temple and he also, though, refused to call a legion of angels whenever he hung upon the cross to deliver him. Why was that? He had power to, get, he had power to do it. Well, why didn't he? He's being meek. He was power under... He held himself. He, he refrained from coming down from the cross. Man, there was no more ultimate example of meekness than right there. Had the power to do it, but refrained from doing it. And what was illustrated through it, that was the greater power. Amen. That was the greater power. See, you say, well, well he goes in there and starts with his, his whip and all this, and Moses, he breaks... Well, that's not make it all. What's these people? I mean, they're, but look what they're doing in each of these episodes. I want you to understand something. That the meek are eager to defend God rather than themselves. Whenever Moses did his action at the base of the mountain, 
What was that as a result? Because people were sinning against God. Whenever Jesus goes into the temple, what was it? Because these things were taking place in this place is called the house of prayer. All these, these, these actions were defenses for their Savior, for the one whom they were under the power of. They weren't defending themselves. We see this illustrated time and time again in Scripture. I try to keep track of my time here tonight, folks. But Abraham and Lot, they come to a place that uh, the shepherds are striving with one another. And here is Abraham, the father of many nations, the one that God has spoke to and blessed and told him to start this journey in the first place. And he defers to Lot and says, pick of the land. If he wanted to, he could have pulled some weight. God spoke to me. He told me to leave. You're alone for the journey. And said, I'm going to choose first. But he didn't. There's power under control. Joseph and his brothers coming to the end of Joseph. He's second in command tonight. He's over the granary. The only reason why they have anything laid back for the time of famine is because of the wisdom of the Lord that's placed upon his life. And his brothers come needing food. They've done all kinds of bad stuff to him. And Joseph was in a position to exercise power and say, no. Because you had wronged me. You tried to kill my dream. You sold me. But rather than doing that, having power, position, authority to do it, he looks at them, he gives them food, he takes them into his arms, he forgives them. Had the power to do it, but refrained. Spirit of meekness was upon Joseph's life. David and Saul. Saul's in a situation that David, if he wanted to, he could go in and pin his carcass to the ground with a spear and was even having some of those that were with him saying, do it, David, do it. If you want to, I'll do it. You know, I'll go over there, we'll nail his hide. David had the, he had already been anointed king. Look at this now. Had the power and the authority to go forward with this. The, 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 the planets were lined up just right for it to happen, but he refrained. Meekness, power to do it, refrain. Same thing with, I hope you get in the picture. Same thing with little Shimei. David's leaving because there's this big usurping of the kingdoms taking place. So he's leaving Jerusalem and there's a man over on the other bank. He's throwing dirt and everything. His name is Shimei. He begins to curse David. Amen, when David's soldier says, David, you want me to cross over the bank and I just nail his hide to the ground? David said, no, just let him curse. Man, he could have sent 20 men over there to nail his hide. But he didn't have the power to do it. But what did he do? Refrained. Meekness. Power under control or allowing ourselves to accept being controlled. And in these episodes, in reality, they were acting on the behalf of the master rather than acting in with their self-interest in mind. So how do we learn from the Lord? How do we learn from the Lord meekness? By being yoked with Christ. He said, put my yoke upon you. Be yoked with Christ and you'll learn meekness. A yoke's very simple. We, you may have heard this before, but a yoke is just nothing more but some type of wooden frame, you know, that was put on the backs of animals and around their necks, you know, joining two animals for the purpose of, of a common task, whether it be uh, plowing a field or pulling a load, that yoke was. But commonly in biblical times, for instance, a young ox was commonly yoked with an older ox, a more experienced ox, so that the older ox might train the younger ox to perform properly. 
and by bearing the same yoke, the untrained younger ox soon learned the proper pace to trot at, how to heed the direction that the master was given because he was yoked with someone that had walked that path. And Jesus says, my yoke is easy. I learned something from this. He said, my yoke is easy. They say that in Palestine, Palestine, whenever they made ox yokes made of wood, that the ox was brought in. The ox that the yoke was going to go on was brought in. I know this is amazing. You thought tailor suits were something. They had tailor-made oxes, uh, uh, yokes. The ox was brought in, measurements were taken, and the yoke was kind of roughed out in the wood. They started working on it and roughing it out. And then the ox was brought back in. This is amazing to me, folks. And they put that roughed-up yoke on the ox to make some final adjustments <laughs> so that the yoke would fit the ox properly. It would fit well. A yoke was tailor-made to fit the ox. He said, come to me, he said, my yoke is easy. What's he talking about easy? He's saying it's tailor-made. I'm not just going to throw a yoke on you that was made for Brutus over here. <laughs> you understand what I'm saying? But if you're little Sammy, we're going to tailor-make the yoke for you. Amen. So meekness is not a natural trait. The Bible admonishes us in Zephaniah 3 that they were admonished to seek meekness. So this is not, you know, well, man, spirit of meekness just came up. No, you got to, you know, <laughs> it just felt empowered, meekness all of a sudden. No, you, you, you got you to gotta seek meekness. You got to seek it out. You got to dig for it. You got you to find meekness. It's a fruit of the spirit. Yes, we've already told that. In Colossians 3, it's also spoken as something that you put on. So among other things that a Christian puts on, he said, you got to put on meekness. And I've said this before, perhaps a different line, not concerning meekness, but if you can put something on, you can also take it off. <laughs> well, hallelujah. So you gotta, you got to put on meekness. And the promise, the, the lacing of the promise is this. They, the meek that is, shall inherit the earth. Those that are power that's under another control, shall inherit the earth. Psalms 24 and verse 1 says, The earth is the Lord's, and the fullness thereof, the world and they that dwell therein. And I'm going to use this phrase, but Mason uses it sometimes in references to me, making me very conscious. No, I'm joking. Walk with me here for a moment. I'm going to start saying jog or run, you know, just to switch it up. Frolic with me. I don't know. <clears throat> this is just personal, personal right now, what I feel whenever I read and study this. I don't believe that the emphasis here is so much what you inherit as it is simply the fact that you inherit. And the reason why I say that is this, because you can only properly, by terminology, inherit something if you're an heir to the successor. 
All right? The meek shall, I think the emphasis, they shall inherit the earth. Romans 8, verse number 14, a few verses of Scripture here I'd like to read to you this evening. The Bible says, for as many, here it comes now, for as many are led. I just felt the Holy Ghost. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, what? They are the sons of God. If you're being led by a spirit, your own will is under the control of another. What is that? Meekness. As many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons. Woo! My spirit of meekness does something here with my stance with the Lord. Sonship. And when I become a son, let's read scripture. I'm going to jump way ahead here. Verse 15, For ye have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but ye have received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. The spirit itself beareth witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. Verse 17, And if children, if we're the sons of God, because we've allowed ourselves to be led by the Spirit of God. If we be children, then heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ, if so be that we suffer with Him, that we may be also glorified together. That's what I believe is the promise here of the beatitude, the third beatitude. Blessed are they that are meek, for they shall inherit but inheritance is there because you're a relative. You're a son of God. But you're a son of God because you allowed yourself to be led by the Spirit of God, which in totality is a spirit of meekness. The, your own will and power being under the control of another. Oh, yes! Hallelujah, hallelujah. So I'm an heir. I'm a child of God. I allow myself to be led by the Spirit of God. You have a will, yes. We all have a will. We've been created, made of God with a will. But we choose to place our will under His will. We choose to put the driving of our personal spirit under the leading of His Spirit. That is meekness ladies and gentlemen that is meekness I won't hold you much longer I thought I would share this ending story here this evening they say that when pilots fly planes they either fly by IFR or VFR IFR stands for instrument flight rules VFR stands for visual flight rules Every pilot is flying by one or the other. There's no other option. Visual flight rules or instrument flight rules. And VFR, which is visual flight rules, are fine as long as you can see everything. It's clear weather, not a lot of air traffic. 
But one day they say if you fly long enough, you're going to eventually hit some bad weather. And it's then that they have to call the control tower and say, hey, I need to switch over to IFR, instrument flight rules. And they got to submit to the plane's computer and control. All airlines fly by instrument, instrument flight rules. All pros, listen to me, all pros fly by instrument flight rules, but not the amateurs. The amateurs, for the most part, they say will fly by visual flight rules. And the FFA says that a lot of small plane crashes could have been prevented if the person in the cockpit had simply picked up the microphone and said, I need help. I can't do this on my own. I need to surrender through the control of the instrument. With the spiritual aspect of this, folks, we may have made it pretty good so far in some of our lives. May have made it pretty well so far flying visually by what we can see and by our own wills and by our own means, having control of everything. But it is an inevitable part of life that you're going to have some bad weather, so to speak. You're going to have some times that there's going to be some thick clouds that you don't know what direction is the right direction. And it's at that time you need to pull the microphone close to your mouth and say, control tower. Oh, God. Control tower. I, I think I need to submit my will to a higher power. Someone stand with me right now. In other words, I think I need to just somehow seek after that spirit of meekness. Amen. If our musicians can come today. To not do so, to not do so, is nothing more or less but an invitation for disaster. To not do so. Need a spirit of meekness. It is a characteristic that will impact our conduct. It is what Jesus was teaching his disciples and the multitudes that was there in the peripheral that were hearing it. What was he telling them? I've said it before. I'll say it again before we ever get through these Beatitudes. And that is he is showing them a progression of how to come from a life that is separate from God, not knowing God, to get to know him, let him control your life, and then see what he can do through your life. Before we all get said and done, when we get to the end, and that they are being persecuted and reviled and they're not reviling anymore. How in the world? Because somewhere along the line around step three, they submitted their will. The one that said, I'll come in here with my Buford Pusser stick and I'm going to clean house. Amen, hallelujah, glory, amen. <laughs> but somewhere along step three, they got a spirit of meekness and their will that would have done that, they refrained because now they're under control of a another power that's the reason why these things build on each other you can't have not not reviling those who reviled you being step three and meekness being step five it never worked like that somebody's gonna get a bloody nose and be mangled before today's over <laughs> it's all proper it's all proper god has devised his word it's so fitly framed 
so fitly framed. Let's pray this evening. These altars are open for anything. Thank you for listening. If you would like more information about our services and activities, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter with the username FACMC. Again, that's FACMC. Thank you and have a blessed day.